Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I welcome anything that will help to protect the children further. You know? The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with Pete. DJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Is it me or is it the darkest morning uh, of the year? As in, even on the solstice, even in December, it wasn't this dark. Very, very dark. I mean, it's six minutes past nine and it's only barely sort of dawn out there this morning. That's got to... Maybe I'm wrong. If, If someone can tell me I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But it looks like the darkest morning so far. Good morning to you. 0818 I'll try as hard as I can to get it right uh, every time today. 0818 96 96 96. Of course uh, 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at uh, 96fm.ie Let's go to Podrick O'Sullivan, Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North Central, following on from a social media comment that the Eroctus was full of teachers. Well, Podrick, you have decided, I think, to volunteer to teach because a teacher is what you are and we have a shortage of them right now. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, I suppose, look, I made myself available to schools that I would have previously taught in over the years, about a year ago at this stage, so it, it wasn't necessary on foot of any comments that were made as a committee. Um, and I had subs uh, for a couple of days in the last number of months in a, in a couple of schools. Right. How did that work with your job as a TD? Yeah, so essentially like we're back in the constituency mostly on Mondays and Fridays. Um, so it was primarily on Mondays and Fridays, um, and I suppose I, I made myself available on the proviso that you know I wasn't doing anybody else out of an honest day's work, so that you know it was a last resort. And if if, if people or if principals could not find you know any other available substitute at the time, what do you teach? Uh, history, geography, and Irish. So um, look, as I said, if, if, if genuinely if a principal was to ring me um, or DTB or whoever were to ring me and say that they were stuck in school X, Y, or Z, look, I, I would be available to to help out over the coming weeks until the doll resumes and, and obviously then on the Mondays and Fridays as I said thereafter. Yeah. We do have a chronic shortage of staff talking yesterday to Aaron Wolfe um, at school, Eamon Reish or close to Eamon Reish with uh, he had something like 12 teachers out and a few SNAs and a few of the students as well and 41% of his student population was missing we, we have a real crisis in, in these first few days of January in terms of availability of teachers 
Yeah, and look, and there's been a shortage even before Christmas as well, PJ, and I would have noticed it in the schools, as I said, that I would have taught them previously. I keep in touch with the principals regularly. But steps were taken now, you know, since then that will have made other people available for substitution that weren't available up to now, and that's including retired teachers, mm. including mm. student teachers. And I suppose a big one that I, I was pushing for at second level in particular was you know, you had teachers that were teaching to a maximum of 22 hours and, and they could have free periods, you know, spread out during the day. They are also now available to go over that 22 hours as well and that, that'll make a big difference at second level in particular. As a Fianna Fáil TD, you would have the ear, one would presume, of the Minister for Education. Do you think she's handling this well? I think at the end of the day, we can't lose sight, PJ, that it is a pandemic, you know, and I, I was listening to the HSC uh, speaking this morning at 8 o'clock um, on a different radio sh- channel, and they're estimating that they'll be missing anywhere up to 15% of their own staff um, in the coming weeks mm-hmm. as, as this, you know, spikes. Um, uh, and look, whether it's retail, whether it's, you know, any commercial business, the people are registering high levels of non-attendance. And I think that's just the harsh reality of, of dealing in a pandemic. Um, I think we, we can't lose sight of that. I think that everybody that is, is doing the best that they can do given the circumstances. Do you think it was correct to reopen yesterday and may, and maybe not wait for a while? I said I do because, look, when we closed down last year, you know, I, I would have dealt with a lot of parents, particularly people with special, with children with special needs who were particularly concerned that, you know, their children were going without education for such a period of time and they could see their children regress. And I think that, you know, we couldn't allow that to happen again. So in that respect, I do believe that we had to reopen. Um, I sent my own child to preschool yesterday and, look, I, I did note that there was definitely less traffic on the roads, definitely less mm-hmm. traffic going in and out of schools. And if parents, you know, if they do have people at home with underlying conditions or who are susceptible to picking up the virus or suffering ill effects from it, if they want to be extra cautious over the coming weeks, then I'd advise them to do that. Um, But for people that are happy to send their kids into school, um, I I do believe that it is the best thing and it was the right thing to do. Was it a mistake to stop tracking and tracing in the schools in September? I do believe, look, why wouldn't we be contract tracing you know, is, is the obvious answer to that and I do think it's something that and, and the Minister has said that she's looking at re-engaging on that so look I'd welcome that comment that she made yesterday yeah. and hopefully that that will be set up and re-established you know, sooner rather than later. Because yeah, when that report came out yesterday and I don't have the exact figure to hand but of the enormous number of clusters now traced back by the people who do these things traced back to schools in the last six months of 2021 I'm fairly sure a lot of principals will have sat in their offices yesterday and said we told you so yeah look the, the, the harsh reality of the virus like they were saying in around Christmas time PJ that one in two at least one in three if not one in two people you know were suffering from the virus or, or were carrying it at, you know at that particular period of time and if the numbers are that high then undoubtedly it's in every um, situation whether that's a school whether it's you know in retail whether that's in you know, private office blocks whatever the case may be albeit they're working from home Undoubtedly, the virus is everywhere at this period of time, and there's no point in denying that. It's just the cold, hard facts. Mm. The good news, um, and we put brackets around that, but the good news would appear to be that A, it's milder, and B, it is moving so fast now that it will confer, confer la- large amounts of herd or community immunity upon us, but that in the meantime, uh, we've got to watch the health services. Do you think we're doing enough? Is the government, of which you remember, doing enough to protect the health services? 
I, I think we're doing the best, as I said, that we can do, given, mm. you know, that we're in a pandemic. As You know, like, the, the, there is no easy way to do it. As I look across, I look at international news quite a bit in the evening time, and, you know, even in America, they're having issues with keeping schools open. I think yeah. in Chicago at the moment, you know, and if you look in, in other countries across the world, their own health services, even in Britain, you know, and the much lauded NHS, mm. they are mm. having staffing problems there also. Um no environment is fully safe 100% from COVID and that's just the cold hard truth and I suppose all you can do is arm people with the best that you can do and uh, and I do think that people are just going to have to you know work again and, and we have to be obviously grateful to people that have worked on the front line because it's been a, a long hard slog and I have family members that are working in the health service and both on my own side and my wife's side and you know it has been relentless you know it's been over two years now and, and people are tired but as you said I, I listen to the likes of Luke O'Neill and these people and, mm. and I'm not an, obviously a medic myself but they are saying that we're hopefully coming to the end of it and that it is you know um, weakening and um Look, that that heartens me that we might, yeah. you know, finally be at the end of it, and, and that's all we can we can take from that. Yeah, looks like the next six months will change an awful lot. Patrick, I know that you're not going to name the schools mm-hmm. to which you made yourself available, and that and that's fine. Uh, when is the doll back in session? Is it the nineteenth or something? Yeah, the Wednesday, the nineteenth of January. Has, has anybody phoned you back and said, "Come here, if you're interested, yeah, come on in." Not as of this week, you know. So. um like as I said, I, I four schools in particular that I would have spent a considerable period of time teaching in. Um, I have contacted again, them again, um, but also PJ. Like I, I don't know if your listeners are aware that fair enough. You know, it it would be great to get a teacher that teaches a specific subject in as a substitute, but. You know, there are non-qualified rates as well that teachers can be paid. Now, obviously, I'm not doing it for any pay, but I'm just saying in the wider question, um, mm. if a school was stuck, you know, the, if, if there was a person that, you know, worked in the sciences or in a pharma company that was, you know, mm. not working physically on site somewhere or had time off, you know, they can be employed by a school and they could teach a science class or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, there is that flexibility there. And I hate to just say that, look, we're getting substitutes for the sake of supervising kids because ultimately it is about the learning and keeping sure. a key, kid education going but there are opportunities there for people from all walks of life to get involved in substitution if if a school you know found itself in a difficulty that week or that day when back there a second uh, with regard to people being paid for that work you and i take it you want to be clear about this you're not going to draw a payment if anyone calls you in no of course not no like i'm, I'm paid as a politician so that's my job and you know i, I made that quite clear and i suppose i, I said at the outset as well that you know, I'm not trying to deny anybody else that's potentially available for substitution a day's work. So obviously the schools, if they were really in a bind and couldn't find anybody for that specific subject, then yeah, I'd be there to stand in. Okay. Lastly, and this one has come in by text, uh, Padraig, do you think we need to consider calculated grades again for 2022? It's definitely on the table, PJ, I suppose. You know, there's no point in me denying that it shouldn't be. Um, like as, as a teacher and as a person who would have corrected exams in the past, my preference would be that there would always be an element of, of examination. You know, I think it's important. Um, now, I, there is an overall leaving sort of form, you know, and that is going to all change in, in the near future. But I do believe that um, everything needs to be on the table and particularly if schools continue to be inconvenienced and if we have high levels of non-attendance like is being reported in the last couple of days, if that continues into the future, then I think inevitably it will have to be considered again. Patrick, many thanks for being with us uh, this morning. Let us know if anybody does ask you to come and teach a class or two. I appreciate that. That's Padraig O'Sullivan, Fidafal TD for Cork North Central, who has, because he is a teacher of history and geography in Irish, has offered himself for free 
to any school that needs a teacher over the next couple of weeks before the doll resumes on the 19th, which is ridiculous. And I know before anyone asks, why didn't you ask him about the 19th? What's the point? He didn't decide that. Can we just the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Fully focused, what you mean? Got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor. Welch exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre match analysis, live commentary, and in depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live with now your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. 0818-96-9696. So the number, the text to WhatsApp still. 083-396-9696. Now, I hope that everybody is okay. Yeah, we're just grand. We're just sitting over the shock. Of it all, what happens? Basically, I can't. My husband can't sleep. I can't sleep. Everyone's on edge here. What happens? Going through all the motions. I know that fair enough that uh, we didn't lose our lives, but it's just something that just came up, you know. What happened? With um, the shed went up on fire. Um. Containing fridge with a load of food, uh, toys that I bought for my uh, grandson and birthday presents. Previously, my it was used for um, my son's uh, playing PlayStation. Luckily enough, the PlayStation and TV wasn't in there at the time because the internet was shocking. So we brought mm. them into the house there to play, and. Uh, we uh, were on about uh, 12 o'clock that night. The, uh, we were all gone to bed and the son was downstairs and uh, he says, Dad, Dad, the shed's on fire. Um, three three of my sons went out, the husband went out, got the fire hose to try and get the blaze down and uh, it wouldn't die down. So we uh, tried to, uh, we, we rang the uh, fire brigade um, and that's the issue, isn't it? You're in Ballincollig. Yeah. yeah. So how long did the fire brigade take? The fire brigade took 20 minutes to come up. And um, in the meantime, the uh, the fire destroyed. Uh, there was a pole that was running um, internet cable for the next door neighbor that went on flame. We're afraid that the it was gonna go all along and uh so catch the the houses on fire. It caught my um my neighbor next door uh neighbor's glass there. It's gone cracked. 
But basically, there's nothing left of the uh, shed and everything just remains ashes that we're just getting um, cleaned up today. And, like, everybody's okay. Lost stuff can be replaced. At least there wasn't a life lost or a serious injury. But I think your issue is that, look, the shed was probably gone anyway, but if the fire brigade were closer and if the fire station was properly, properly manned, then they might have saved other damage. Yes, I do. And I feel like uh, that if somebody's life could have been taken for, say, somebody else's house and had it been uh, on fire, you know, it's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Because there's a pole next to the shed, isn't there? And if that caught fire and, you know, yourself. Well, it did, the, the pole did catch fire. Caught fire. The cable's gone. The neighbor next door can't have no internet for it to work. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if there's there's like plastic faces on our uh, on our um, house there, and that could have gone with the heat. Because I even opened the window to go and look to have a bath, and I had looked at it, and the heat was so enormous. Yeah, coming from it. It's like just like bonfire night all over again. Yeah. You must have gotten off the fright, did you? I did, you know, especially my eight-year-old grandson who was staying with us at the time. He was crying, Nana, Nana, I want to get out of here, I want to get out of here. Yeah. But yeah. We all got out and um, I was lucky that a couple of neighbours asked him, we want a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. I was just so numb. The husband was getting, um, having a coughing fit from the smoke up inhalation there because he has asthma. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. But what time of the day or night did this happen, Deb? This happened around 12 or uh, till about 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. In the morning, yeah? Yeah. Right, right. So it was dark of night. You don't know what caused it, no? Um, no. No. No, not no. at all. Yeah. You know, it could have been, it could have been things that when we had toys there that fell on top of the uh, extension lead and just went up and fired. Could have been anything. Had, we, we had this shed for years and nothing like this has happened, know. you know? I know, I know, I know. And your concern is, look... And we talked about this before Christmas and we talked to the fire service union reps about this before Christmas that Valencolic is not fully staffed now with a fire service. No. And you, you feel that you've been really lucky here. We feel we've been lucky, but we, we, fear for our, we fear for ourselves, we fear for others as well, living around Valencolic, that the fire, about the fire station, what's, what's going to happen? Is there going to be more tragedies worse than us? Yeah. All right. So it's being cleaned up at the moment, is it? It's going to be cleaned up between 8 o'clock and 2 o'clock this morning. Okay. Okay. And you're all right. And your husband just said a bit of smoke inhalation, but he's all right. He's all right. You know, apart from a dodgy arm at the moment, he's complaining of from um, right. getting the hose. He's, he's fine. He's... Very anxious, like we all are. Yeah. 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 I've, I've never experienced anything like a house fire. I know an old neighbour of mine 
long ago in Carrigaline had a house fire and they they never forget the memory. Now you didn't have, you had the shed but you I'd say you'll never forget the the fright you got, no? No, 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 no. Cuz this right. is this is our this is our third fire. Oh. So it is that we've had we 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 lived in a just over in um the green mount there, the washer dryer went on fire. Okay. That's in the smoke inhalation. This house went up on fire before. To no uh, electrical fault or anything like that. Okay. Things that a kid would do. And now this. Yeah. Okay. Debbie, I'll leave it there. I wish everybody well. And I just wanted to highlight that it could have been so much worse. The fire brigade took 20 minutes or so to get there, rather than four or five minutes if they'd been just around the corner in the Bellic melancholic situation. Debbie, thank you very much. You're very brave for, for talking to us about it, and I hope everybody will be okay. 0818969696. It's one we highlighted before Christmas. You'll remember melancholic Station is now chronically understaffed because of cutbacks. Uh, in the fire service under the council budget. Ireland is to follow in the footsteps of New Zealand and the Philippines by bringing in support, financial support, paid leave for those who experience domestic violence. Not entirely sure how it works, but it's been welcomed by Women's Aid. Their CEO, Sarah Benson, joins me to talk about it. Sarah, good morning and Happy New Year to you. Hi, good morning, Peter. Happy New Year and many happy returns to how, your listeners. How does this work, Sarah? Basically, um, we haven't yet, I should say, seen what the government is going to propose. Um, this is uh, the culmination of a consultation process, which was undertaken last year. But it's um, uh, something that other countries have introduced in slightly different ways, including Australia and New Zealand. And Women's Aid have for many years supported the idea of a paid domestic violence leave in conjunction with a domestic violence leave policy for all employers. Um, and we are hopeful that what we will see and we welcome the commitment on the part of Minister Roderick O'Gorman to proceed with this and, and put forward legislation is that we would have something along the lines of the way you would have for sick leave or uh, some people would be familiar with things like force majeure leave you know, for emergency payments, something that is... Um, accessible, easy, based on, you know, a certain amount of hours or days <clears throat> over a rolling period. And um, the way we would, you know, Women's Aid actually have our own policy and have done for some time. And we also would acknowledge a number of employers have already taken this step without the government's guidance um, or a statutory leave and, and implemented this. And the way it normally works is you um, are recognising that, you know, one in four women in this country um, and indeed some men, although a less proportion and these policies are, are gender neutral in that respect. Mm. You know um, there are times uh, where if somebody is in an abusive relationship and uh, and struggling, a part of the factor can be, um, it can have a negative impact on their work or you know, they can be stalked uh, in work, harassed while in work or even being coerced to try and give up work. So we know that and, and that can have really major consequences in terms of it makes somebody financially dependent or, or drives them into poverty if it's a post-separation. So mm. 
uh, this kind of leave would be used in 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 uh, a way that allows people to um, in consultation with their supervisor or their HR uh, department confidentially you know use the opportunity to take leave to perhaps go to court or to meet with a solicitor or to meet with a specialist service like women's aid or, or one of the great services in, in the Cork area um, and instead what people have been doing is sometimes using sick leave to do that taking unpaid leave to do that and crucially then the policy that has to accompany it um, will pivot employers from being sometimes a pressure point for somebody who's in an abusive situation where they know their work performance may be suffering, they, they don't feel able to say why, um, to making the employer an ally who recognises that actually, mm. you know, uh, creating, uh, you know, this support, but also, you know, being able to have a policy that also addresses things like, um, you know, are you at risk in work? Do you need flexible working hours? Does the reception maybe need to be made aware or security if somebody is potentially a threat to you, all of those things kind of then kind of cascade from it. And we know from other jurisdictions that these are life-changing mm. policies that have low costs and really make employers allies to those who are subjected to abuse. Of course, in the first instance, Sarah, it requires someone to share very sensitive domestic information with their employer. Absolutely crucial. And that's why I mentioned policy. Now, I, I believe that the consultation primarily that the government was looking at is looking at a paid statutory leave. And that would be great if it happens. But if it happens, uh, it cannot happen without everybody looking at their own internal policies and saying, well, if this is a thing, how do we then explain to our staff, to our team, that this is something that we um, are implementing? And how do we encourage them to do so in a way that feels safe? Because, as you say, very sensitive issue, um, huge concerns maybe over confidentiality. Perhaps in some larger companies, you may actually have the perpetrator and the, the, the victim uh, yes. employees of the same company. So yes. Uh, Women's Aid have pr- produced a, a toolkit um, based on, on development by other organisations internationally. We've worked with a number of employers around um, working with their HR staff, with their people managers around, OK, if you're going to do this, if you're going to provide this support, actually the policy is almost, uh, if not more important, yeah. so that people feel that they are supported, they know where to go, they know their privacy will be protected and they know it's also just about, not just about needing time off, even more quickly it can be around uh, supporting them in their work environment. I'm thinking in terms of someone maybe even listening to us this morning, uh, Sarah, who is experiencing uh, domestic violence at home. Uh, the, The thought of approaching their boss or their line manager to disclose this, like that's a huge hurdle for them to cross. It is, and at the same time, we also are hearing, though, that, and particularly in the context, now, obviously, this hasn't been the case for all kinds of, of work, and like, you know, manufacturing and service industry, this hasn't been impacted. But for a lot of work, um, we've had, for the last two years now, people working in either a hybrid or a home-based environment. And I have spoken to a number of people at senior management level in companies where they have actually said they have realised, just by witnessing, say, tensions, you know, or, or seeing that, you know, somebody is perhaps under duress or pressure at home, they're actually seeing this showing up for their employees. We also know that employee assistance programs, those kind of confidential counselling supports, uh, there's been an uptick in uh, domestic abuse being the the, the factor, the, the reason why people have been accessing those for support to try and help them manage their work. So we know that employers recognise this um, and what we would say is never suffer in silence. It, it is, a, as I mentioned earlier, a really common tool of somebody who is abusive, who is coercively 
controlling somebody is to try and pressure them to get economic control over them, perhaps pressure them to become more dependent by forcing them out of work. And we do know that people do, women do give up work rather than actually speak up and say what's going on. And we would encourage somebody, even if there isn't a policy, is to reach out to somebody in your company who, you know, um, who who you feel will, you know, be discreet, your HR team, your, your manager are obliged to keep confidential things that are of a personal nature in all aspects. So we'd say don't suffer in silence, reach out, yeah. even without a paid leave, even without a policy, there, there should be good support there for you. So now that there's an agreement to do this in principle, we now, of course, face down the long road of how something gets from being an idea to being reality. And that could be a long road. We hope not. Um, I suppose I, I want to acknowledge actually there, there was a bill put forward since 2017 by Sinn Féin, which actually had uh, cross-party support, broader to support. Um, you know, it was a bill that Women's Aid fed into and, and, and supported in conjunction with a number of our colleagues in the sector. So a lot of the groundwork has been done there. This consultation has been very extensive and we would be very hopeful and, and expectant that whatever Minister O'Gorman publishes will be a fully formed thing and that given that we know it has cross-party support it's something that could be expedited quite quickly if there's that commitment there to do so. It should sit also within the development of the new domestic uh, sexual and gender-based violence strategy, the new national strategy which we expect the first draft of will be published in February. So there's momentum behind this and we certainly will be pushing for it to be implemented soon. Yeah, sometime this year perhaps? We would expect so. That's what we will be hoping for. All right. Okay, Sarah, thank you very much. Sarah Benson, CEO of Women's Aid. And I guess seeing as we are speaking to Women's Aid on the opinion line to give you their 24-hour national free helpline, 1-800-341-900. Now, that may well have changed, but one eight, the, the number I have, we might double-check that, Ferg, with all the numbers changing at the moment, including our own here. one 800 We'll check that. But 1-800-341-900. Of course, womensaid.ie is their website. Our number, the new one. I, I promise it'll be in muscle memory very, very soon. 0818-969696. On Omicron, someone on the phone says, Anna PJ, herd immunity. It's impossible unless transmissibility is stopped. Ain't the, co- ain't the case by just getting infected, plus with any potential new variant, all bets are off. People obviously don't understand herd immunity. Well, I don't claim to have a knowledge of herd immunity and how it works. I'm not an epidemiologist or anything of the sort. But I would refer you, caller, and I would refer many people to uh, John Campbell, who has featured on this programme uh, several times in 2021. We hope to talk to him very soon in 2022 but in the and by the way since we spoke to John Campbell and I'm not saying we've anything to do with this it's purely down to John's brilliant work when we spoke to John first in the spring of last year he had just under a million followers on YouTube and he went over the million uh, somewhere into spring and he is now tickling the chin of two million in fact he may even have gone over the two million worldwide daily followers on YouTube for its incredible analysis. But over Christmas, some of the stuff John has been doing on the biology, for want of a better word, for the the biology of Omicron is very, very interesting and exciting and encouraging. Uh, John predicted in the very latter part of 2021 
that Omicron could be the variant that would burn out the pandemic. And he's still sticking to that. His last... Take some time, sit down and spend an hour, maybe two, with some of John's videos over the last while. And this... There is cause for great optimism here. And I personally share it. If John Campbell is optimistic, so too am I. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Now over... Christmas and the early New Year, Vincent de Paul has reported what it calls a tsunami of calls. 1,300 calls a week uh, from late November into December. That's 170 calls a day. Like, if you're even operating for 10 hours, that's 17 calls an hour. If you're operating even for... You don't need to me to do the sums for you. A lot of people in desperate need of help and contacting St. Vincent de Paul. Jerry Garvey is Southwest Regional Coordinator. Morning to you, Jerry. Good morning, PJ. Nice to-, to speak to you. And to you. Tough times for a lot of people out there. Yes, indeed. Very tough times, you know, in, in, in the midst of a pandemic and all the usual pressures of Christmas time. Uh, a lot of people are in serious need. And we're, we're getting massive calls, as you've just outlined. What are the things they're coming to you with? Is it shortage of food? Is it the price of electricity? What is it? There are a number of things. The, the army perennial things is obviously around Christmas time. People are focusing on kind of buying Christmas presents for kids and that, and sometimes they use their scarce cash on that. And they, you know, they haven't enough money then to cover the basic things like food and heat. So that would be a, a big issue always. Like in, in the run up to Christmas, we would have distributed over 2,000 food hampers across Cork City and suburbs. And that'll probably drop back down to an average of about 200 or 210 per week for most of the rest of the year, fluctuating slightly. So food is a big issue, obviously. Needless to say, as we all know, we've had a very mild December, thank God. Yes. But January now has proved to be quite cold, so heating is a big issue. Yeah. And that also means people are using more gas, more electricity. And as we know, the utility costs have absolutely skyrocketed. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this in your own personal bill, but I certainly have noticed a huge increase. Yeah. And if you can imagine someone working on the margins who, for whom every euro counts, uh, you know, a 25% increase is just unbearable. They just yeah. can't manage it. Yeah. And they're turning in desperation to us. Yeah. And, and, and because they're trying to keep the lights on, keep the fire lit, you come to that decision, don't you? Heat or eat. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the theme of our campaign prior to Christmas there was impossible choice. And they are the impossible choices. What do you do when you're faced with those choices? Mm. What do you think? And I know Sir Minister Paul is a, a non-political organisation, but do you think the government should be doing something to address the, the huge cost of utilities at the moment? Well, I know that my colleagues all over the country and in our national office have been flagging this for quite a few months. 
saying that this was coming down the line because we could see the trends three, four months ago. If you remember back during the, the, the height of the pandemic, uh, the government very wisely and thankfully introduced an embargo on mm. increases in utility costs during that period. But unfortunately, that embargo was lifted a couple of months back and it, it would seem that at least some of the utility companies are playing a bit of catch-up because there's been quite a number of increases since. And the society as a whole has been... Has been advocating strongly that as a government, as a country, we need to do something to try and help those in need because the basic things of food, shelter and heat, you know, mm. they're basic fundamental rights. In terms of your network, uh, your stock, where you get food from, you, you've been well supplied, I think, and continue to be. We have been very well supplied, yeah. There's been some great um, uh, contributions and collections prior to Christmas and we also link in with the European Food Programme which used to be called Feed, Food for the for European Aid for the Most Deprived. So we get quite an amount of stock from them, which we redistribute free then to people all over the county. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your network, because, you know, thankfully I've never needed the services of St. Vincent de Paul, but what, what kind of services do you have at this stage as we head into 2022? What, what, what's your network like? There's a range of services. I suppose the first thing to say, PJ, is that, that we're one of the few organisations that has represented representation possibly every parish and every area around the country, north and south, because we operate at local level with local committees that we call conferences, and they would call to people in their local area. So if we get calls in here, they're passed out to the conference within that local area, and they would then do the person. You no, know, before they did, they did personal visits to people's homes and had to chat with them and provide a little bit of support and advocacy, as well as the, the monetary support. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, we've had to revert to phone and a social distance calls. Mm. But it's working well in terms of services. The basic thing is, is, is a listening ear to find out what the issues are. And they're not always financial. Sometimes people need someone to talk to. Yes. And there's so many organisations and groups, you know, statutory and non-statutory, where when you pick up the phone, what you get is option one, option two and a robot. So thankfully, we're, we're one of the few organisations that still has people at the end of the phone. Uh, yes. And, you know, the, the services we provide, obviously, we, we support people with food hampers, as I've outlined already. We support people with vouchers for all the main multiples yes. so that they can go and they can buy the few groceries themselves. We would do an awful lot in education support at all levels, primary, secondary and third level. Yeah. Uh, we have social housing. We have about 112 units of social housing across the, our region at the moment. Thank you. I'm hoping to expand that in the future. Uh, we'd be involved in a couple of meals and wheel services, a few creches, a few family support centres. Basically, over the years, what has often happened is where there was a huge need in the community and no one was fulfilling it. The local SCP conference would very yeah. often step into the breach to say, we'll start it. Yeah. Amazed by the, the, the number of houses. Now, fundraising has been a huge issue and you've got a. In fact, as we speak, you're two hours away from the deadline on your car draw, which is a huge fundraiser. That's right. Fundraising has been very challenging, as you know, because when people are restricted in their movements, they're not out and about, and it's, it's much harder to reach people. But in fairness, we've, we've made a huge effort, and you know the, 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 the people of Cork are just amazing, the way they support us continually over and over again. As you say, the car draw is a big one. Uh, it, ticket sales for the car draw close at noon today, so if anyone wants to, to uh, link in with the car draw, they can still do it, but uh, time is kind of running out. Okay. Sales have gone reasonably well, despite the difficulties. And I suppose it's very important to take the opportunity to thank all the people who have donated to us. Yeah. Uh, it's been absolutely breathtaking. Good. You know, with all the difficulties that people have, they still took the time and effort yeah. and their scarce resources to give you out to those in more need. Yeah. 
And, and that's the incredible generosity of people of not just of Cork but of Ireland in general they will always give even if the, if it's the last fiver if they think they can spare it they'll give it or they'll give two out of the last five euro Jerry, thank you Jerry Garvey Southwest Regional Coordinator of St. Vincent de Paul The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Here we had a couple of responses to Cherry Garvey from Vincent to Paul. I can only put my heating on for an hour at night at the moment. Can't afford anymore. The likes of Vincent de Paul are a godsend. Jerry made such a great point. If they wanted to, they could have embargoed the rising costs, but they don't care enough. And Jerry did make that point that during the height of the pandemic, the first or second lockdown, I think the first lockdown, they put an embargo, the government put an embargo on increases in utility prices. And then they took that embargo off and it's like letting go of a coiled spring the prices have gone through the roof now admittedly international prices have gone through the roof and they're hoping that they'll stabilise sometime late this year but the utility prices the price of electricity the price of gas just gone sky high in the last few months I I did one of these conversions that you can do on, on bonkers and there's other websites as well and I threw everything over to Bonkers and they gave me a new deal and to be honest I think I will save money which is great but the prices are just gone baluba and they did have an embargo earlier in the crisis crisis is still with us so where's the embargo so that's a very very good point 0818 96 96 96 as we enter a new year we've all tried as best we could to get together with family and with friends over the Christmas and New Year, we were limited in what we could do, but I'm sure, like you, and I know I did, and I was delighted to be able to do it, we made the best of it. But you know the way conflict can rear its ugly head over the festive season? You'd hope that it wouldn't, but conflict does. It does rear its ugly head, not just at Christmas, it's something that goes on all year round. And there are people out there now who specialise in the resolution of family conflict. So you don't have to fall out with your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or your auntie or your uncle. You don't have to fall out and everyone falls out. The the whole family doesn't have to fall apart over one difference. Sharon Morrissey deals with just that kind of conflict and she joins me. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, BJ. How are you? Good. And I mentioned the Christmas New Year period Mm. because it's a time when an awful lot of stuff rears its head and it can scar people into the new year. But but let's let's look in general at what family conflict is and, and how it happens. You would think that your your family are the closest knit unit you'll ever have and you'd all be on the on the same page at the same time. Sadly that's not the case. No, it's not. And I suppose um, there is this kind of preconception, isn't there, that exactly that that family are going to be the closest people you have. But we have to remember that family units are made up of individuals in that unit. So within each of those units, you have people who have their own beliefs and their own views and their own ideals and all of these things. And conflict happens when those beliefs and views 
and ideals are different to those, you know, somebody else in, in the family. And that's what causes a conflict. So it really is when our beliefs and values and views do not align with somebody else in the family. But what really happens then is, so if if I have a particular belief and you have a different belief and we, we clash about that, yeah. what we try to do then as individuals is we try to bring others on side. Yeah. Okay, so the conflict becomes escalated because I'm trying to get somebody else to agree with me and the other person is trying to get somebody else to agree with them. And then what happens is you have, you know, kind of factions within the family arguing out a point. Um, the other thing to remember is that if they're intimate relationships, really. So like if we've grown up with our families, which we have, or if it's an intimate relationship, husband and wife or partners, whatever, um, that, you know, they know the buttons to press because they know us intimately. <laughs> Do you know? I was so, wondering how long it would take you to get yeah, to that one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They know the buttons to press, like, the same way as we do. You know, we know what to say to somebody that's going to cause conflict as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and that, you know, and I suppose the big thing is it's about taking responsibility for those things, you know, um, and owning our own parts in it as opposed to trying to escalate the conflict by bringing other people into it. Yeah. That's that's really, really important, I think. For, and, particularly you know, with you people said, in your family, you, you know what you can say or how you yeah. can say it to gain and you know advantage. How far to push. And yeah. you have to resist or not, as the case or, may Yeah, be. and you see the thing then with those types of, of um, settings and environments is like Christmas is a highly emotive time anyway because you've got all of these lovely adverts. I, I blame the adverts on telly, but do you know with all of these happy families all living together and everything is fabulous and there's snow outside and warm fires and yeah. all of that sort of stuff, right? And then we're expecting that it's going to be like that. And then we get into to our own situations where it may not be like that at all. And on any given day, we might not really like the person that's in our family. And then we have a couple, maybe a couple of drinks or whatever. And the whole thing just comes out together because it's like a pressure pot. Yeah. What, what kind of things emerge? Oh, goodness, it could be anything. Listen, it could be like a conflict can start over anything. And I suppose I was thinking about that. So some of the things, like obviously we've got the pandemic, which is going to cause huge issues around, or, you know, which is causing, you know, people are suffering from mental health issues, addictions. You know, there's there's money problems, all of those things that you've kind of been speaking about earlier this morning. So all of these things come up. And when we're in these intimate relationships, so I'll just talk about husband and wife for a second, you know, and you have, you're in love with somebody and, you know, you think, everything is fantastic and then kind of the rose coloured glasses come off a little bit and you know there's they're saying something or doing something or taking out the rubbish in a way that you don't think is right or you know giving the children something to eat before bed or whatever and all of these things will cause like it could be anything yeah do you know it could be these are these are tiny things but they can be they can be triggers for 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 example you laugh now and i'm sure sharon a lot of people will will snigger when they hear this we constantly have a thing in our kitchen Mm. where i see my wife loading the dishwasher yeah, and I say, don't put those mugs there; they go over there. Yeah. Now we—it's a laugh between us. She was always shag off. Now it's a laugh between you, but I'm sure at some point it was like, if he doesn't <laughs> put those mugs in himself, I'm going to smash them on the floor. You know? <laughs> exactly. no, yeah, they'll still get and, clean. But I've got this pattern for when I'm, and yeah. I, oh, load it yourself. So you know, exactly. now, those are little things, and we laugh yeah. about them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they but can I, become I, a problem. 
huge. And I suppose, like, if we just even use your example there, like, if you don't, so you're saying you laugh about it, right? Because obviously there's been a point in the relationship where you went, seriously, if you don't stop, you're going to be loading that dishwasher yourself, right? <laughs> so you've had to step back. Whereas if you don't have that conversation, right? So if, that, so if you don't feel comfortable enough or your communication skills or your relationship isn't good enough to be able to say, listen, I really don't like using whatever language you want, really don't like the way you put the mugs there in the dishwasher, right? Mm. It really annoys me. Or my thing is kind of the knives, that the knives go upside down so that when I'm not taking something out, <laughs> Oh, you're worse than stabbed. me by a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that I don't get stabbed with them. That, like, <laughs> put the knives upside down, you know, so I don't... But, like, if, if the conversation, if I can't say that, if you can't say that, what happens? So now it's the dishwasher. So now he doesn't take out the bins or she doesn't take out the bins. Or, you know, I don't like the way the washing is left, you know, miraculously to get from the wash basket to the... Oh, yeah. Do you know, all of those things. And then it's not just one thing. Then it's everything he does drives me mad. Yeah. And it is. I think if you can't find a way to laugh off those small things... They well, become big even, things. Yeah, and it's not even laugh it off because for some people, like, they're just not going to be able to laugh it off. Yeah. But some people just need to be able to say, listen to me, that drives me mad. Can we look at doing it some other way? Yeah. Because this really, really drives me crazy. And if we don't have the ability to say that to each other, we have, like, conflict happens because there's an issue with communication. We cannot or feel we cannot say it to the other person in a way that's, you know, open and productive, that I am having a problem with something. Something, you know, there's something jarring in me and that is happening when I see you doing. And I'm not saying that this is your fault, but there is something happening in me and I need to be able to say this to you. How much family conflict is about money? Oh, um... A lot. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. Uh, I suppose... Well, you see what happens is, I think, small things start. So you have, you know, look, that, okay, that's a difficult question. If people don't have money, yeah. right, there's going to be conflict. Because, you know, as exactly as you were talking about earlier, what gets paid when, right? So there's that. Or if somebody is using money in a way that maybe isn't conducive to a kind of a, a safe home environment. So somebody's spending, I, I was reading something during the week about a nurse saying that a person that she was, in a relationship with was spending a huge amount of money on alcohol and now that the price of alcohol has gone up she's now unable to kind of provide the adequate things for her family do you know what I mean because X amount of money is going out on on, on alcohol so it depends what the money is being spent on number one so you know that's obviously going to be an issue but the other thing is if people again it's back to the communication if you can't say listen we're 50 quid in the kitty. We need to get two bags of coal and we need to get milk for the week. If that's going to be spent on diesel because you just feel the need to be, you know, taking a spin around every evening, we can't afford to get the coal and the, the, the milk for the week. So we need to be able to discuss how much do I need to keep the house running? How much do you need to be able to go out for your spin around, which may be good for your mental health? But the issue is having the discussion around it. If people are just taking that money and you go to the kitty to get out the money for the cold because it's really cold and it's not there, then you have a conflict. And that, okay, I'm using 50 quid, but that could be 5,000, it could be 10,000, whatever it is. Yeah. It's around the no discussion about it. So that's back to communication. 
And I suppose what I do is I support like mediation, which is what I do, is it talks, you know, it has people come to the end of a, of a relationship, you know, when they feel that they can't kind of continue in them anymore. Yeah. And, you know, we help people come to the end of relationships. But like what I'm doing increasingly and which I much prefer, to be honest, is that helping people to talk about these issues so that they can continue in a relationship Mm. that is a positive relationship. But like, you know, none of us come with a manual on communication. Yeah. And you know, just because, and I would always say this to my parties, like just because I can support you to do it doesn't mean I'm doing it perfectly at home. Absolutely not. Do you know? It's about just having the confidence and knowing how the other person will hear what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Communication, like you said, is is everything. It's everything, yeah. When two people know each other as well as that, you you, you know someone really well, so Mm -hmm. you think you're going to anticipate their thoughts. Mm -hmm. And actually, Mm -hmm. you're wrong more often than you're right. And you need to learn to shut up and listen. That's a hard, that's a hard skill. It's very, but what I try to to do a lot of the times is think, right, we were given two ears and one mouth, right? So the two ears are for listening. So we spend double the time listening than we do speaking. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, that for me is a very visual thing, do you know, that, and that's the way I, I kind of learn it through, through seeing things. So, and I know like here, there, there's a lot of things and people will say things like, um, oh yeah, you know, if somebody gets the last word in, that means that they think they're right. Oh, I don't yeah. care about that. Like that's not, that's of no consequence to me. If I, if I feel that I have supported somebody to say what they need to say, you know, the bits that come back don't really, don't really matter or don't really bother me too much. It's just about, have I been clear in what I've asked and what I've requested um, you know, and and can that then be transformed into behaviour in the other person? Now, just because we say it doesn't mean the other person's going to hear it. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of time, that's where the conflict happens as well, yeah. because they're hearing things from you know their terms of reference. And this is you know this is what happens in families. Each member in each family will have had their own experience growing up in the family. And just because we think we're from a family unit, we should have all experienced the same things. That's our number one. That's incorrect. Yeah. You know? So if I might be triggered by a particular thing, somebody and assume, make that incorrect assumption that we're all going to be triggered by that particular thing. But I have no idea what the other people are going to be triggered. Now, I might have some idea and that's why I know the buttons. Yeah. But I don't know the reaction to the trigger. Yeah. Where can people you know? go or where can they start to look if they have a conflict that they'd like help with? Well, obviously I'm going to say myself. So mm-hmm. um, my, my email or my, my website is sharemarcyconflictresolution.ie. Um, so, you know, and as I said, so like we've spoken before, you know, I give support with workplace scenarios, family scenarios. But, you know, primarily what I really, really love doing is helping people to do the positive communication piece, be that in work or be that in families. So we do a huge amount of kind of family support work and, you know, where it is exactly that like small children cause huge conflict. Like when you just have babies, that's a real trigger time where I would see parties coming in, you know, the baby might only be like up to a year and they're saying, okay, we're not compatible in this relationship anymore because we haven't spoke about 
parenting styles or skills. Um, you know, and we try, you know, we kind of unpick that a little bit. And the other part then where there's, you know, um, children involved is like when they're teenagers because teenagers are fantastic at knowing, okay, if I ask dad for this or if I ask mom for this or if I ask mom or mom, you know, whatever, yeah. that the they'll know where to get their needs met faster. The greatest manipulators ever set foot in shoe leather. You know, and come here, we've all had experience of doing that. (laughs) And, and, you know, because we did it, you know, I did it too for certain. And, you know, so, I mean, it's about that, about kind of, but these are these are things that we don't talk about. You know, I, I was thinking about. I don't know the answer to this question, but before um, you know, there was like the pre-marriage courses and stuff. It would be really good to have some sort of like a, a communication course before people get married, because when you're all in love, you think like everything is going to work out fantastically through the rest of your life. But to be able to sit down and say, okay, so you know, how do you think we'd manage if we had a really colicky baby? And you're working outside of the home and I'm at home on maternity leave and, you know, I'm exhausted when I, you know, you come in in the evening. How do you think we're going to manage those things? How do you think we're going to budget our money? Um, And, you know, who's going to pay for what? And what's that going to look like if I lose my job, for example, in Mm -hmm. the pandemic? And we have and all of these really logical questions just to support people to have these honest and open conversations where they can go into whatever type of relationship that they're in then and say, okay, do you remember when we spoke about this at? Yeah. You know? And again, all of it, I believe, is back to communication and the ability to be able to know what you need. And that's huge. Um, And and then, therefore, know what what needs you need to have met. Okay. Sharon, listen, pleasure speaking to you. And you, PJ, thank you very much and Happy New Year. And to you, uh, Sharon Morrissey, Conflict Resolution Specialist. If you just Google that, Sharon Morrissey, Conflict Resolution, or Adisha's website, Sharon Morrissey, Conflict Revolution, you can find out more. Just uh, something coming out of that, I mentioned the dishwasher. And we have these, this is, this is, just me. We have these mugs, right? They're large mugs in bright colours. And, and, and they always go in one particular space in the dishwasher if, if I'm filling it. And I'm sitting there one evening and I'm going, she's putting in one of the big ones and then, stop! Just move that around. Now, it's a laugh. We have a laugh about it, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, how stupid can I be to want to put all the mugs in the one line? But it gave me an idea they're just... It's, it's Friday, right? Are there stupid things that you and your other half argue about? Like, what mugs go where in the dishwasher? That's a stupid thing to argue about. As Sharon said, do the knives go blade up or handle up? That's a stupid thing to argue about. But we all do it. What's yours? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Cork's 96FM has a shiny new phone number. 0818 96 96 96. Save it to your phone now. Save it to your phone now. 0818 96 96 96. The new number to call Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Friday 7th of January. It's a long and a dreary old month. Thankfully, the morning has brightened up with the darkest morning I can remember. How about we top up your bank account, though, by a thousand euro to really brighten up January. What you need to do is go on to the Cork's 96FM Instagram page. Okay, uh, follow us on Insta, tag some of your friends, and then share the post. That's all you have to do. And between now and the end of the month, we will top up somebody's bank account by a grand. Happy New Year. That's all it is. Happy New Year to you from us <clears throat> at Cork's 96FM. Some people heard my talk of going on, wanting to go on holiday next year and are sending us in messages what their ideal holiday would be for this year I'll, I'll come to them but something we all gotta do this weekend is the tree or in my case trees have to come down and the decorations have to go back into the boxes and back up into the attic and when you've all that done the house is like a bomb hit it so what do you do how do you declutter the house post-Christmas. Anne-Marie Kingston from White, Stay, White Sage Decluttering. Anne-Marie, good morning. Good morning, PJ, and Happy New Year to you and, and all your listeners. And to you. I love putting them up and turning them on. I hate taking them down and putting them away, but it has to be done. And then the house looks like I've driven the car in and reversed it inside. Help! Exactly. Help! <laughs> Help is right. So where do you start? So I'd always say, like, PJ, when it comes to Christmas decorations, bring everything down first of all, really, I suppose, realistically, in November, December, when you're putting up the Christmas tree, because the only thing, PJ, that comes out of the attic religiously every 12 months is your Christmas tree, your crib, and your decorations, and everything associated with Christmas. So, you're going back and seeing what didn't go up this year, or what didn't go up the previous 12 to 18 months. Mm. And that's where you start decluttering, because... Again, we change, um, the colour team change, and the tree, so it might be this year, might be red, maybe Hold, hold on, Anne-Marie. Oh, yes. Just one second. Fergal, let me take a commercial break, see if we can't clean up that line, because there's a mucky old line, and I want to have a chat with Anne-Marie for a few minutes. I'm going to take a break and see if we can't clean that line up, Anne-Marie. Are you OK with that? Perfect, no problem. Thanks very much. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Rising Irish star CMAT has made waves in very little time with infectiously calm tongue-in-cheek nature, evoking Dolly Parton and Lily Allen at the same time. She'll play her first Cork show of 2022 at Cypress Avenue on Wednesday, March 9th with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. More acts have been added to Indie 22 with the academic Wild Ute, Pa Sheehy and Roy Seven among those joining Bastille, Fatboy Slim and Rudimental Live. It takes place on the August Bank holiday weekend in Mitchestown with camping tickets on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or any live streaming events coming up by emailing us at AAA at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96fm There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. We're trying to clean up Anne-Marie's line there to talk about... Uh, decluttering and getting rid of the decorations and it's the junk. It's not so much the decorations. They come down, they get put in their boxes and their bags and their crates and they go up. It's the, it's the carnage that's left is is the one, the one the worrying bit. Somebody was on about holidays. I mentioned, and I have, I've got the flights booked and I've got the accommodation deposit paid and here's hoping, 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 hoping that we'll be able to go this summer. But... um some people were saying other places they've been and other places they want to get to this year. We might develop that a little bit more. Is she back? She's back. Thank you for that, Fergal. It's Anne-Marie back from White Sage Decluttering. Anne-Marie, hi. Good morning, PJ. Good. Now, let's go back to where we were. So the decorations will come off the tree and go yeah. back in the boxes and back in the bags and, like you say, up into the attic where this space continues to expand every year, but that, that's, that's how it is. It's what's left, I'm thinking about, the carnage that is left afterwards. Yes, yeah, so when it comes to the Christmas decorations, so really I suppose to really do a deep dive the cover of your existing decorations is vital as well, Peter, because you need to clear stuff up because the sales, you see sales signs everywhere, there's online shopping, and again, we buy an emotion. So it's very important to make space so clear what's in the house that you haven't used in the last, say, 12 to 18 months and make room for new stuff. So I'm not saying cut off buying totally, but you need to make space by clearing items you haven't used and bringing items that you love and that you're going to put up all the time. Because, you know, PJ, we're all changing. Uh, we all come up you know, with different styles. We go through as we mature, hopefully, and it's good to make do a clearance ever so often. Again, you need to clear out the space and make room because it's all about, like, when you're surrounded by clutter, again, especially after Christmas, and I think everyone is in the same boat, Pizza, the place is like carnage, but it's get cleared out on a regular basis. The yeah. cluttering never stops. Yeah. So, like, I would have a 30-litre white bag going out every Friday um, of clothing. Now, we're a family of two adults, three kids. It's going out every Friday of our house. So if there's something coming in, something has to go out. I always kind of call it the seesaw method. So like if, if it keeps coming in, PJ, mm. the clutter is going to take over your home. So you throw so you clothes out every out. week? I would have stuff go out every week. Now right. again, holes in the socks, the wires are gone in the bread, the elastic are gone in the undies, growth spurts have kicked in with kids. So like I would have stuff go out all the time every Friday. Right, okay. You have to be kind of ruthless, don't you? You do, in you do. Really, but I suppose with decluttering, you have to be ready to let go. You can't force it because clutter is so personal, PJ, to everyone. So your clutter, my clutter, Mary Muffy down the road, clutter is, we're all different. Yeah. Some people are very sentimental, while other people are like, you know what, I don't need to keep this. So it's, you know, it's really just, I suppose, finding 
that happy medium that suits you. But you can't. Like a lot of women would reach out to me with my one-to-one sessions that I offer here. And they'd be like, am I able to start ready to let go? And I was like, look, let's connect maybe in three to six months and see where you are then. Right. Because you can't force this on anyone. So when all of the decorations are down and bagged and boxed, or before they're bagged and boxed, must you mm-hmm. look at them and say, okay, which ones am I tired of? Which ones can go? Well, I definitely start like, so when, like, what I would do religiously, and I would tell all my clients to do is go through what's broken. So, like, the broken bubbles, there is items, you know, the kids might have made back at school many time, many years ago, and the past that could be falling off the lovely little picture that they made. You know, it's great to go through, check, I'm all about checking condition, Peter. So, you're checking condition, what you love, skin checking the lights, how many sets of lights, okay, we maybe have two or three trees, or maybe one tree, do we need ten sets of lights? So, it's really thinning out and calling out what you use, what you don't use, again, you might have started off first day maybe with colour delights and you're sick of the colour delights, but you're now going to maybe play white lights. So again, what have you used in the last 12 to 18 months? This is my time frame I use for everything PJ across the board. And it works absolutely incredible because, again, if this lights like again, the sales are on, again, oh my God, it's a bargain. There's nothing a bargain unless you're going to use it. Right. Because we're just adding to the house all the time. And the clutter, then it comes to the stage that the clutter actually takes control of you and your house. <laughs> yeah. And of course, over the holidays as well, other stuff has been brought in and, yes. and quietly put down in the corners. I'll sort that out after Christmas. Sort that out. So when everything is now gone and the decorations are all put away and sorted and tidied, yes. then you look at the house and you go, oh my God, God what do I do now? Yes. And I think that's what happens to everyone. And, you know, because, again, the stuff coming in, there's presents coming in, there's Christmas Santa has arrived and has been quite very generous. I don't want to say, again, start clearing out toys that are no longer age-appropriate. Clear out ones that are broken. You're, again, you're checking condition. What are kids no longer using? What clothes are no longer fishing them? Um, is there maybe you would come across maybe tablecloths that you haven't used? Like that you would use maybe for Christmas, maybe five years ago. Your taste has changed. Maybe there's a stain in it. Um, you know, it's really just having a look, checking out everything and utilising like the biggest thing that comes up, PJ, for me with my clients is they're like, I, mean, I don't have enough storage. And I keep saying you have more than adequate storage in a home. It's all about utilising it correctly and use it to its maximum. Yeah. And you, and again, with the house, just look at your house in it with a fresh pair of eyes. And I suppose that's what I do with my clients is, do you ever think of this, this and this? And they're like, no. It's like, you know, when you're looking at it all the time, it's kind of coming back again. Like, I never thought of that. Because, yeah. again, you come in a different approach yeah. and you just look at your house at a different angle. Yeah. My missus has a, has a thing when I... Because I, I'm, I'm one... Well, we, we both hoard to an extent. But up in the attic, she'll say to me, get rid of that box of stuff. I said, no, I might use... You haven't used it in 10 yes. years. You're not going to use it now. Yes. Yeah. And that came up big time, I suppose, when COVID came in and... My one-to-one sessions had stopped. Again, like a lot of people who were doing um, one-to-one services and I had to take my business online with my academy. And like that, the biggest thing I said, like when March came, a world pandemic had come in and just knocked us all for six. And basically then, the ethics. Everyone realized they were moving their clutter. PJ as well, that's another thing. They were moving their clutter around the four corners of the house. There was nothing leaving. And that's the thing with the clutter. It's your ability to let go. So again, put a time frame on it. 
get it out of the house during 12 to 24 hours. Okay. That's really, really important. Get it out because all you're doing again is move it around. So it's really, really important. Just, again, just keep moving forward because, again, if that black bag is there at the front door and you are kind of back in the days when people would call for coffee, pre-COVID, and it was like, okay, um, that black bag then was thrown back into the good room or into the box room or into utility and you're doing all your hard work when it comes to it. Yeah. So it's really, really important just to move forward with it. We just have to develop um, that ruthless streak and if it's not going to be used, throw it out. And if it's old and I broken, it. throw it out. Something a little more sensitive, anne before I let you go, mm-hmm. is when a loved one dies. Yes. Um, yeah. There comes a point in time where you just have no option but to go through their stuff. It's terribly yeah. painful, and that's yeah. the hardest decision you'll ever make. Like, you can't be ruthless when you're going through a loved one's stuff. So, how do you no. approach that? Like, I've spoken a few different radio stations previously about this, and I suppose, and so now it's been out there for a good while, but like, there's a Swedish uh, cleaning method that's out there. So, basically, what you're doing is you're decluttering and cleaning, basically, while you're alive now. And there's not such a burden when it comes to when you pass um, on your family to the other because it's a fierce, it is such, like, it's so overwhelming for people to do it. A loved one, because you don't know where, like, do you, like, what are you to keep, what are you to throw out? And I suppose that's what happens in a lot of homes is people, maybe a family home has to be sold or it's been rented out and all the, everything is taken out and it comes into a family home. And then it's like, how do I sort through it? But again, it's just being, I suppose, again, is there items, like you can't bring everything into your house, for instance. So yeah. it's again, it's just going through and just saying, okay, what is really suitable? Again, condition. But it's very important, again, like when a loved one passes, like just to, I suppose, take your time with it. Because I suppose what comes up a lot for me, and I've, a lot of people have reached out to me, is family members um, would order skip. And I'm not, I'm not anti-skip, but... When it comes, you know, the clutter is so personal, and especially in this um, instance, is if everything is thrown in to skip, er, a whole life has gone out in that skip. And it's like, oh my God. And this again, like with your um, lady who was on before me, this is where there's a lot of fallout for people yeah. with family members because it's like, well, um, I'm keeping that. Or why did you throw that into the skip? That was good. That could have gone to the charity shop. I wanted to keep that. This is where it's, you know, when it comes to um, items like these, there is a lot of places that you can take stuff. Um, again, there's a lot of um, places like, for instance, like Machine Housewoods, you know, if there's furniture, you can donate um, items to a great cause like this. So, you know, it's really just handling everything, seeing exactly what's there. Again, you're going to come across a lot of letters, but it's very, very slow when it comes to paperwork. Again, like paperwork, if there's tax returns, things like that, it's seven years. If there might be clothing... And I know a lot of people, I'm working, working with a lot of people at the moment, again, their loved one has passed on, and they're just, they're ready to let go now, PJ. It's, it's, it's another part of the grieving process, really, and it's just to take your time with it. But I would definitely say, start decluttering, I suppose, for everyone listening this morning, just, you know, just try to make a start, because it's when someone passes, it's the burden that comes down to family members on the other side, I see, I see it so yeah. much and they're absolutely they're traumatised there because they're trying to you know again if someone has passed away kind of 
tragically, if it's very sudden, or if someone has been terminally ill for a long time, this is another part of it, and it's yeah. just like, how do they move forward? And it's, it is, as you said, it's such a sensitive issue yeah. to talk about. Yeah. But I would say for everyone, just to, to make that to the start. Okay, it's part of it's part of grieving, but you need to make the start. Anne Marie, thanks. Anne Marie Kingston of White Sage decluttering. We've kind of set tomorrow aside for the decorations. Um, it's there's a bit of work in it because <laughs> you know they go up, and I don't know about you, but they go up over maybe three weekends. Uh, one, two, and they go up maybe over yeah three weekends. They've all got to come down and go back and go away in two days. Because otherwise, the other problem you're going to have is this traffic roundabout in the hall for the next God knows how long. So, busy weekend ahead in Coogan Towers, I may tell you. 0818 96 96 96. Anne was on. And I just want to read it for you, for what it's worth. Morning, PJ. I wonder every day, why is nobody screaming from the rooftops that the hospitals are full of unvaccinated or underlying conditions. Why do we pander to the unvaccinated? Everyone else is doing what they were asked to do. The numbers are enormous, but I'm only concerned with hospitals, says Anne. Well, Anne, the last bit there, I'm delighted that you said. Because the daily numbers no longer mean anything. For the simple reason that they're only picking up on what we can test like 23,817 yesterday. Matters are not a jot because there's that many again not found or not reported. What is important would be the hospital numbers. And as of this morning, there are 928 in hospital over the last 24 hours, 105 people discharged and sent home, 74 people admitted there are 94 in the ICU 7 admitted, 3 discharged over the last 24 hours and those are the numbers to watch but then Anne's point is of all those people, how many of them are actually unvaccinated how many of the ICU beds are occupied by people who are unvaccinated Um, we have a fair notion that it's more than half of them at any one time. Why are we pandering, says Anne? The problem is that when someone comes through the door of a hospital sick, they have to be treated, vaccinated or not. That's just ethics, I guess. Thank you, Anne. We talked when she was appointed or elected the president at Network Cork Ireland to Maria Desmond towards the end of 2021. And you've got an interesting first event of 2022 which is a behind the scenes look as it were at the council. Uh, Maria good morning to you. Good morning and happy new year PJ. And to Thanks you. for having me on. And good luck with all of your events in 2022. This is an interesting one taking place next week. Well it is and I was thinking when I was planning the first event with my committee. Big shout out to all the girls there. Um Many of us have been in business a long time. I'm in business in Cork 30 years. And sometimes we know a lot about each other's businesses, but we don't know a lot about the services that are are behind the scenes in mm. Cork. Mm. And when you think about Anne Doherty as one of the most prominent female leaders, I guess, or managers in 
in our city. She's now managing the services with the boundary. It went from, was it 85,000 people up to 210,000 people? Mm. So I'm really interested in the management skills behind all of that. Um, some of the questions we'll be asking are what are the biggest challenges facing the council now and going forward? Um, does she see trends in the roles that women within the council put themselves forward for? And um, what are the assets or skills that have most helped her in her career? Um, I don't know much about the day-to-day roles of the Gardaí or the fire officers in Cork. And I'm delighted that the new chief superintendent um, of the Cork City Guard, the division, uh, Tom Myers, yeah. he's joining us on Wednesday. And also Cork's longest serving fire officer, female one, Irene Wallace. Oh, nice. So, Great. Yeah. So I was counting up how many times I've had dealings with the guards in my life and how many people I know who've had fires and mm. unfortunately I knew, I do know about three people who've had to run from their houses over serious fires. Okay. So um, you can imagine the resilience that those people, the guardian and fire officers, have built True. up and our members are going to learn from that and as well as that, the public is allowed to um, and very welcome to join our event as well. Um, it's it's Wednesday, January twelfth. It's it's online uh, at seven thirty. How do people register? And um, they look up Network Cork on Eventbrite. Okay, is there a charge? There is. It's twenty euros to the public. It's free to members, um, but it's twenty euros and I think maybe two euros booking fee right. um, via Eventbrite. And your your panelists, as it were, your speakers and Doherty Superintendent Tom Myers and Irene Laura. Is yeah. it her second name Irene Wallace Wallace I always and get confused Warren or Wallace I know, Wallace. <laughs> yes. I know them both I know them Great both photo of her. <laughs> yeah. and um, it's going to be emceed by our Network Cork branch secretary Melissa Curley from okay. Social B Communications okay and that's next Wednesday yeah, we'd love if you could join us. PJ, I have to take the opportunity. I've been listening to your previous speakers and I'd love if anybody who was decluttering and had some good stuff, if they would like to donate it to either of the Enable Ireland charity shops. We've one in North Main Street and we recently opened one in Parnell Place. So I'd love if people could see if um, they were getting rid of anything you know, of Enable Ireland. Maria, that's why you're president of Network Corp. <laughs> you never miss an opportunity. Well, and I think that's a great idea. See Sharon Morrissey, the previous speaker as well, as a, a member of Network Corp. So there's great tie-ins this morning. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I'm not looking forward to taking down all my decorations no. this weekend. God, it's a sort the, you know, yeah. the only thing, and this is why I always say dry January, are you joking me? The only thing that is there is a bottle of wine in the fridge for later on. That'll That's that'll true. take the pain away. That's true. <laughs> Maria, thank you very much, Maria Desmond, president of Network Cork Ireland. That's an interesting event. You'll find it on networkcork.ie. It's behind the scenes at the council, at the fire brigade, and the Gardaí. Twelfth of January, seven thirty, online. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Come here, if you do nothing else this weekend other than taking down the decorations and packing away the Christmas tree and all that try something if you've not tried it already I this I started noticing on my social uh, over Christmas and New Year people were posting up little squares little groups of squares grey squares and green squares and orange squares and I wondered what the hell is that <laughs> what's that about it's Wordle W-O-R-D-L-D invent, or D-L-E, invented by a man called Wardle but it's called Wordle and it's a, f- a game of five-letter words. So each day there's a new five-letter word. And you have six guesses to guess that word. And it's addictive as hell. And some of them are very tricky. Some of them are really easy. Some of them all depend on what you put in as your very first answer. Wordle. It's fun. Try it. I- I'm not too sure if it has an app. I just Google it every day and the ne- then the new one comes up. Is anybody trying it? Anybody using Wordle or, or having funny or having fun with Wordle? 0818 96 96 96. I even think I could devise a few Wordle. And they only change it every day, which is good because if it was every hour, you'd be addicted to the damn thing. Wordle. Anyone playing it? Anyone having fun with it? Speaking of things like that, they, they really sort of sharpen the mind and they help you to keep your mind active and your, your mind alive and keep your memory going and you know the use of the English language we do it every day for a living but you kind of wonder like what's the extent of your knowledge and a thing like Wordle will really help you with that how fit is your mind how, how mentally adept and fit are you and it's something that I can maybe bring up with uh, next chorister or next uh, contributor on the programme, who's Pat Divilly. I want to talk about uh, Fit Minds with Pat. I'm assuming that that is the correct pronunciation of your name, Pat. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yes, indeed. You got it perfect. Good man. Good man. The fitness of the mind is every bit as important, if not as more important than than the fitness of, of the body. That's what you've discovered, at least. Yeah, there was kind of two sides to this for me. There was, I suppose, the, the professional standpoint in that I worked in the fitness industry, physical fitness industry for 10 years. And I was really curious as to why some people kind of thrived and others seemed to struggle. And, uh, you know, my picture of health started to expand from it just being training and nutrition to seeing things like stress management and sleep playing a role. And then I started seeing how people were speaking to themselves was having a big impact on the results that they saw. So that brought me to, you know, exploring the mind and the stories we tell ourselves. And I suppose my own personal um, experience then was just struggling with mental health over the years and always being quite reactive in how I approached it and waiting for a crisis until I looked after myself rather than proactively doing things daily. So that's what prompted the book and the work that I'm doing now. Yeah. Tell me a bit about yourself. You, you were, like you said, you were involved in physical fitness for years. Yeah, I ran a gym here in Galway and I, I had a big online fitness 
community. And um, yeah, that was always my passion. It was the first thing I wanted to do from the time I was young, the first thing that really gave me confidence. And so I loved that environment. Uh, but as I say, the more people I worked with, the more I started to look at a holistic approach uh, to wellness, started exploring the role that stress was having on our lives, the role that our nervous system was having on our lives, all these different factors that, again, some people were eating really well, they were training consistently, but just not seeing the results. And I also saw people being very hard on themselves mm-hmm. um, in the way that they, they, they dealt with themselves. And I was, I was doing the same thing in my own life. So that prompted me to study a bit of cognitive behavioral therapy and coaching and meditation. And um, that's a lot of what I do now is kind of stress management for companies and individuals. I think you found that people, you might give a number of people the same program. Yeah. And then how they succeeded or didn't at that program, an awful lot had to do with the, with the, with their mindset. Yeah, I'll never forget someone said to me, you have 168 hours in the week and a client might be with you for three week, three hours of those 168. So three hours in the gym, there's 165 outside of the gym. So a mentor of mine told me, your client's success is what happens outside of the gym how they sleep, how they nourish themselves, how they speak to themselves, how they, um, you know, their social environment, all these different factors. So um, as much as I enjoyed training people and saw the benefits and working with people in that capacity, I also saw the need to, I suppose, educate on, again, how do we speak to ourselves? How do we um, look after our sleep? How do we look after our stress management? Mm. And obviously the last two years, you know, the uncertainty we've been dealing with in the world has just really put a magnifying glass on these factors even more. We have a tendency, don't we, Pat, I don't know whether it's Irish or whether it's world, to beat ourselves up over little things. A friend of mine is currently isolating, dealing with COVID, thankfully not sick, but beating herself up big time over the fact that she actually got it. And I said this morning, relax. This is ripping through the community. It's not your fault. But people are beating themselves up. for, For example, COVID, the prime example. You get COVID and you go, how the hell? How was I so stupid? That's not it at all. No, um, this is a part of our, our mind we call the negativity bias, and it's actually a protective part of the brain. So the brain wants survival. That's the key factor of the brain. It doesn't necessarily want happiness. It wants us to survive and live another day. So because of that, it's always looking for threats. It's looking for where we fall short, where we go wrong, where we don't live up expectations, where we're not keeping up with Joneses. There's that part of the mind that's always looking for the negative aspect. So 100 people could say something nice to us. One person says something negative. That's where the attention tends to go. So a simple you know, means of, of kind of working with that is, is to ask yourself when you're feeling stressed over something, where has my attention gone? And you'll notice it's gone to you know, your friend there, for example. Maybe she's, fo- she's focused now on the fact that she's missing work or um, whatever her other uh, judgments toward herself are. And we'd be asking her to expand her kind of perspective. You know, what are some of the positives in this? Um, and it's not about airy-fairy positive thinking and making everything perfect. It's just about widening the picture. Um, when we go to the negative, we almost put a pair of sunglasses on and everything looks dark. Um, so it's just, again, that perspective I think is important. Because, yeah. you know, the, the term that has emerged in the last, I think, six months anyway, is toxic positivity. That's not Mm. what you're talking about. It's not being positive for the sake of it. Happy, clappy jazz hands. That's not what you're talking about at all. No, because I I mean, that in itself is a problem because oftentimes, and I've seen this a lot during the pandemic, you'll ask someone how they're doing and 
they might have had a very tough year, but they'll very quickly go to, but it could have been a lot worse. It's worse for other people. And so they almost undermine or diminish their own experience, you know, because they don't want to take away from anyone else's experience. But everyone's experience is different. And I think it's okay to hold two things at once. I can say I, I'm grieving the old life that I had before, and I feel quite sad about that. But I'm also grateful for some opportunities that have opened up to me. So I think emotional maturity is, is that ability to not have to be black and white in things and to be able to hold two emotions at once and to be able to allow yourself to feel what you feel. Um, toxic positivity really is, is overlooking the fact that I'm sad and, and trying to find things to be happy about. Yeah. Uh, it's not about that. It's kind of hold two things at once. Mm. You talk about recognising our inner self-critic. Mm. Uh, we, I have a thing. It's a very modern practice now, Pat, uh, reflection, right? They teach it in college, it's encouraged in the workplace. And, you know, we all reflect on our performance, we reflect on our week, we reflect on whatever. And I think, do you know what? Enough people in life are going to try to pull you down without you trying to pull yourself down. Am I missing something here? No. um, (laughs) We speak to ourselves more than anyone else. And it's funny, these inner critics that we have oftentimes will actually be an internalized voice that someone else, something we heard from someone else, you know, someone when we were younger told us, you're not good enough, you don't fit in. So someone said it and we put that internally and we've repeated that to ourselves. So again, with toxic positivity, there could be a tendency to say, to say think positive and get past that voice. And I actually take a different approach and say, can we welcome that critic in? That's a part of us that feels hurt, feels abandoned, feels like it's not good enough. Rather than try to, push away that part. It's kind of like a friend. If we've got a friend and we only want to be with them when they're happy and positive and we ditch them when they feel sad, mm. we're not being a very good friend. But then for ourselves, oftentimes when we feel a little bit anxious or sad or overwhelmed or like we're not living up to expectations, we can desert ourselves, you know, through alcohol or distraction or yeah. any kind of addictive. So it's kind of welcome these parts in. Um, but what's, well, why is my critic speaking to me in this way? Maybe they're trying to keep me safe. You know, yeah. the critic that says, don't put yourself out there. They, want, they don't want me to be judged. Um, so that dialogue can be useful. Yeah. And self-sabotage. Define, mm. if you can, sir. <laughs> self-sabotage is what a lot of us will do a couple of weeks into January, maybe. Um, <laughs> and obviously this, this January feels a little bit different. What I would have seen in the, in the fitness industry was a client who would come in in January uh, you know, very excited for the year ahead and the changes they were going to make. And the self-sabotage will be when they do something that seems completely counterintuitive to what they said they wanted. And we all, I think most of us, I certainly do this, you know, I know exactly what I want consciously, but then I'll do something that just throws my, throws a spanner in the works and messes things up for me. Um, so it, it's something to be aware of. I think there can be a tendency, again, with the black and white thinking that, let's say someone goes on a healthy eating plan, uh, they fall off course with one or two meals, uh, oftentimes people will throw in the towels and they say, I've messed it up now. I'll start again on Monday. I'm a big fan of the word recommit, which is just to catch yourself. And maybe you talk about reflection there. Can I reflect on why did I, why did I you know, reach for the glass of wine when I said I wasn't going to? I'm just getting curious rather than judging yourself curious. Oh, I, I didn't sleep too well last night and I was stressed with the kids. And so that's maybe some of the factors that contributed. And then you might ask, how could I respond in a different way next time? How could I... Um, yeah. How is how important is it to learn to forgive yourself for something that goes wrong? It's huge, and I think it's it's I think it's difficult. Um, it's difficult, but it's huge. I think the only place we can create change from is a place of acceptance. Um, so if I'm blaming other people for where I am or I'm shaming myself for where I am, I'll be stuck in the mud. 
And so, you know, I think we need to see things not worse than they are, not better than they are, but just see things as they are um, and learn from our, our mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Um, there's the idea of toxic shame and healthy shame. And toxic shame is where I've done something wrong and so I make myself a shameful person. Healthy shame is I've done something that's against my moral code. It's something I regret or something I, I wouldn't do again. But it's changed the way that I live my life. It's given me a, a it's put me back on course. So can we go to our past mistakes or the things we feel we've done wrong and use some other way of bringing ourselves back on track to be in integrity? Yeah. Talking to someone recently who is recovering from personal trauma and, and thankfully is making a very, very good recovery. But mm. is it interesting is struggling to forgive themselves for actually letting it happen. And I said, but you didn't let it happen. It happened to you. But is still struggling to forgive themselves for letting it happen. Mm. Strange I mindset. Yeah, and um, it's funny. When we, when we feel isolated in different ways, be it after a traumatic event or be it, you know, circumstantial, you know, isolation, there can be that sense that my pain and the things that have happened to me make me separate and make me different to other people. And so there can be a tendency to shame ourselves further, if that makes sense. So I think an important factor in all of this is having support. Um, oftentimes the pain that someone's experiencing is so great that it's difficult for them to hold it themselves. And that's where I think, you know, having a support circle, having a group, having a therapist or a coach or, or whatever you can have. Someone there, I mean, I have these people in my life that I can go to and I say, you know, I'm the guy that's supposed to have it together and I don't feel like I have it together. And, you know, there's times where people hold space for me and I think we all need that. And obviously community is something that's maybe not as prevalent as it was years ago. And I think there's a call for community again that we need to come together and kind of support one another through the, the ups and the downs. You've heard the old saying, I'm sure, there goes a man who knows his own mind or there goes a woman who knows her own mind. How important is it for to know, for us to know our own mind and learn to know our own mind? Mm. I think it's huge. People say um, we learn from experience and I think, I think we learn from reflecting on our experiences. There's lots of experiences I've had and I've repeated the same thing repeatedly without considering the impact it's having. Versus when I sit down and I say, this is what happened. And I kind of explore, what did I learn from that? How can I grow from that? Um, it's important. And one of the big things I talk about in the new book is, is the idea of thinking versus remembering. Uh, oftentimes we think that we're thinking, but really we're just remembering. Uh, so maybe I go into a new relationship and I feel insecure. Now, the insecurity is not probably a result of that relationship. It's a memory that's coming up. It's me thinking about my ra- last relationship. Um, someone who's afraid of public speaking in the workplace. Generally, it's not the adult that's scared. It's the memory of when they were a child and they got laughed at for their speaking. So I think, I think things like journaling can be useful. Meditation can be useful. And just that curiosity, you know, what's the thought in my head and where did that thought come from? Oftentimes, it's not even our own. It's our parents' thoughts or, or, or thoughts we took up from our teachers or our environment. So yeah, I think curiosity really is the big word for me for 2022. Okay. The book is called Fit Mind and it's available in, I assume, all good bookshops. Gill Books are the publishers. Pat DeVille, thanks very much for being with us on the Opinion Line. Interesting read. Thank you, Pat. Uh, 1850. Oh, sorry, I've done it again. There you go. 0818 96 96 96. I promise I'll get the hang of this. <laughs> I did twice today. did about six times yesterday. 0818 96 96 96. Danielle is cross with me. She says, shame on you, PJ, again, for promoting discrimination. Anne's letter is so insensitive. Anne was merely asking about people in ICU who are unvaccinated. And she was wondering why we don't highlight that. 
Are you suggesting, Danielle, that we don't read out views like that? But thanks for your contribution. Uh, It might be a dull old month, but a good stretch in the evening now till ten past five. Think of the positive, says Joe. Yeah, the evenings are starting just a a few seconds, a minute or two. Oh, no, I spend hours thinking about when the evenings get longer and when the mornings get longer. In fact, maybe on Monday I'll go through when we can expect the mornings to start getting brighter and expect the evenings to start getting better because I have this wonderful app that does it all for me. But thank you for that, Joe. What do you row over? I mentioned the the dishwasher and, and the mugs. Aaron says, we fight over the stove. Oh, God. If my husband cleans it, he never polishes it afterwards. But tells me he did. But I can see ashes everywhere. Drives me mad. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, thank you, Dee, for your message. Um, thinking of you and your family with your dad's anniversary at this time. It's never easy. Gets a teeny bit easier, though. Uh, and also to your mom and your family. Dee, you're so perceptive, and thank you so much. His anniversary is Monday. Uh, it'll be four years Monday. And we'll have a little get-together in his memory Sunday. Right, mass and a little bit of lunch in his memory Sunday. But thank you. It'll be four years Monday. Thanks, Dee. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie They can call Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See newmarketvolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Colour. Why did I just say that? Colour. How important is it to you in dressing and presenting yourself and putting yourself out there? Do you have a colour you stick to rigidly because it's kind of your colour or your set of Colours. Do you experiment with colours? Do you add bright colours to your wardrobe just to brighten yourself up? How important is it it for you to do so? Not just for women, but for men too. Jessica Healy is an image consultant to the Art of Style. Jessica, good morning. Morning, PJ. Uh, You're talking to someone who is quite conservative colour-wise, except in midsummer when I'll wear any kind of mad crazy colour. But <laughs> most of the year I'm kind of stuck somewhere in, I like blues, purples and black. And that's me like mm. for the entire winter time. You're suggesting yeah. and not for just for women, we should all experiment with a little bit of mad colour now and again. Um, well it's not so much experimenting but I suppose finding out which colours are the most flattering for you. Um, and maybe you found your colours. Mm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I suppose colour can be very powerful to wear. It can make us feel really good. It can flatter 
our natural colouring. It can make us look fresher and healthier and more awake. Um, and it also can have an effect on how other people see us in certain situations. So we can use it to our advantage. Do we drift naturally towards a colour or a set of colours ourselves? Mm. I think we do. And I suppose from over the years doing colour um, analysis with people, um, I find that people naturally have quite a good instinct themselves as to what works for them or what they like and what they don't like. They might not understand why, um, you know, what's actually going on underneath it in terms of like the different colour tones. But um, most people, you know, you know, they know, like, I feel good when I wear this colour. Um, and I think that's a natural thing that, like, most people can tap into. Mm. Was it Coco Chanel who said the best colour in the whole world is the one that looks good on you? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do we know yeah. ourselves or does it take a loved one or someone to tell us what looks good on us? Um, well, I think we can. You can um, develop the skill, I suppose, um, by simply by trying different colours out and seeing, you know, which one, you know, maybe brings out the colour of your eyes or which one, you know, is there any colours that you wear that you just feel are draining and make you look a bit tired? Um, because the right colour will just enhance your natural colouring and um, it won't necessarily be the first thing that people see. Like, ideally, you want the colour to... Um, to just enhance your natural colouring and not be overpowering for you at the same time. Mm. Like, the, does the colour of your hair yeah. affect your choices of colour for yeah. clothing? Absolutely. So it's your hair colour, your skin tone and your eye colour. So a combination of those things will affect the, the types of... And it's not so much the colour itself, but it's the characteristics of the colour. So whether it's... Um, a bright, clear colour, or whether it's a bit more soft and muted, um, or if it's a lighter tone, or a darker tone, or a warm tone. Um, so things like someone with red hair, for example, they're almost in a, a colour group on their own, you know, for warm colours. Yeah. yeah. Do you know when you're looking to buy some new clothes, and mm. you're trawling through the racks or looking at the online pictures and you go, I absolutely love that colour. That shirt yeah. or those jeans or that topper. That looks brilliant. I'd love that. I'd love mm. to have the courage to wear it. Mm, yeah. yeah. How do we get the courage to wear these things? Well, I suppose you can start small. You know, if there's a colour that you really like but you're a little bit afraid of it or you don't have the confidence to wear it, you can try with something smaller like an accessory um, or if for a woman, obviously you can do something like makeup colours. You can experiment in a small way with that. Um, or for a man, something like a tie, if you do wear ties um, or even a scarf or a hat, mm. you know, um, something like that. Um, and the other thing, I suppose, it's the way that you wear a colour. So um, I talk about the rule of threes. So if you were to have putting your outfit together, maybe just focusing on one colour in your outfit, yeah. one item of a colour, and then keeping the rest neutral. So that makes it much easier. Um, and you don't have to do, do colour clashing and go, you know, all, all the whole hog down that way. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's a way of, you know, it doesn't have to be scary. You can just find a colour that you feel really good in, yeah. you know, or what we call your power colour. Um and you can kind of base your wardrobe a little bit around that and build it from there. Yeah. In in terms of 
combination of colour. We all heard the old rhymes, you know, blue and green should never be seen and you shouldn't wear other two. (laughs) That's what leaves a lot of people, I think, very uh, lacking in confidence because I I can't put them, I I don't know what goes with what, what the hell. So you go back to the safe set of things that always work. Yeah. Um, What I would say to that is forget about the rules because a lot of these rules that we have in our heads don't really apply anymore. Um, in fashion and in you know design, you will see every single color combination put together um, now. So you can be as crazy as you like, but it's about wearing combinations that you feel good in, and that when you look in the mirror, you think, yeah, that looks that looks well together. Um, so even like for example, navy and black was always like a big you can't wear navy and black right. together, but now you will see designers. And for quite some time, you know, putting even navy and black in the same item. So I think people can get bogged down on the rules, but really just wipe the slate clean, forget about them and see, you know, what works for you, what feels good, because you can kind of stop yourself from doing well anything really in life when you're you're worried too much about all these things. But it's really about, you know, finding the, the colours that flatter you and um, having a little bit of fun with it and you know, you don't have to play it play it too safe. Nothing, um, you know, and the thing is you can get a lot, there's loads of inspiration out there now as well. You know, Pinterest, Instagram, you can collect maybe some images of different colour combinations that you like and, and try them out and, you know, go from there. Okay. The old one as well, Jessica, that I bring up with you before I leave is mm. dressing one's age. Yeah. Certain clothes are they're too young for you or they're too old for you or this mm. rule that you shouldn't wear those after 25 mm. do you go along with them? <laughs> no um, there are certain things I suppose that you might not you know and I, you see, it really depends on the person um, I would never put an age on you know over 50 you can't wear this it very much depends on the person on your you know, if you've got amazing legs, you can still wear maybe skirts above the knee or, you know, it's, it's your body shape and it's how you carry things off. Um, yes, there, you know, you can, I suppose, take things to extreme, but people are looking so much so well these days. People are living longer. People are healthier. Um, so I think, again, that's very much an individual thing. Certain things, of course, can be aging, you know, if you wear, for example, frilly collars or puff sleeves on an older woman can make you look a bit more, can be a kind of an old lady-ish kind of appearance. So, you know, keeping things simple, but there's really not a huge amount of things I would say definitely you can't wear. Okay. Jessica, good to talk to you. Um, As we head into the new year, and maybe changing some of the wardrobe and maybe decluttering the wardrobe as we were talking about earlier on, be a bit braver with your colours. I go a bit bonkers in the summertime. I'm very staid in my ways in the wintertime. I, I don't know if you're the same. Actually, Jessica mentioned old women, old clothes like puffed collars and lacy things and stuff, like the Golden Girls used to wear. Did I, poor Betty White, the poor woman. What I mean, what a legend she was. But she died only about seven days short of her hundredth birthday. Betty was one of the Golden Girls. She was just so... They are so, so funny. And every single episode, 
I nearly forgot to mention this. Every single episode of The Golden Girls is available. If you have Disney Plus, they're all there. It's it's actually worth getting the free trial if you haven't of Disney Plus just to remember the Golden Girls and just how brilliant they were. Just the one the one like you can leave your friends and your Seinfeld and all you can leave them in a rusty old bucket for the best one liners of all time. And Betty had some of the best ones. Uh, check out the Golden Girls, they're back on Disney Plus. Just got Pat's book in the post, says this. Uh, I can't wait to start it. And apropos of nothing, hi PJ, happy new year to you and the crew. Hopefully some better news to report in 222. We will, oh mate, be sure of it mate. Just a question, is there a delay with property tax? I haven't received anything this year. Regards, Mary. I'm assuming you mean a bill, Mary. A property tax bill. Now, I can't speak for the, for myself because it goes through my um, income tax. So I just fill it in online whenever it needs filling in and off it goes and it's taken as my wages every month. So I don't get a bill. But for anyone who normally gets a bill in the door, have you got your bill yet? Mary's wondering, is there a delay? Thanks for that. We have a dirty, filthy, Baltic, cold, horrible, manky weekend ahead of us, if you don't mind me telling you. So what are we going to sit down and watch on the telly? Crossy, help me here. Good morning. Do you know what? I actually think that the the weather gods realised it's January, it's wet, the pubs are closing early, we're going to throw so many good things on the TV because this weekend, it's bumper. Like, kicks off tonight right through to... Sunday that there's something for absolutely everybody yeah. like the late late's back tonight for people who are into that you know they've got a jam-packed season starting Bosco's on the late late like to me I'm going wow 90s kids 80s kids Bosco to them is a legend so that in itself is probably worth sitting down tonight watching watching Ryan Turberty Tommy is back the weekend oh. Tommy Tiernan is back for a brand new series of his chat show. If you missed the Christmas one, it's on the RT player now, but it's incredible. I love the fact that he hasn't got a clue who is going to walk out. And you know, Do I mean, like, you believe that? But you know what? I actually know somebody who works in the show, and I sent it to him a while ago, and I was like, I was like I, is this really happening? Like, does he actually not know? And he says, come to one of the shows. So I went to one of the shows. I only live right across from RTE, and I went over and had a goo. And he hasn't a clue. Like his face, because it goes on for about three hours. The yeah. recording goes on for about three hours. And looking at his face that doesn't be on the TV, you know, that doesn't make the cut, he hasn't a notion. Yeah. Hasn't a notion. Yeah. Um, I heard him do an interview before where he says he just doesn't want anyone who he's best friends with. And he doesn't want comedians because he says they'll try and out funny him. And he says, it's not about that. It's about me finding out who the person is mm. and not, you know, funny off between the two people. Doesn't he so, have an extraordinary gift? It's brilliant. It's I could listen to him. I listen to his podcast all the time with Hector and just how the two of them talk and you can kind of see that they, that they grew up in it with their eyes wide open and their minds like how all his life experiences have come on this TV show and everything he knows like whether it's that he was out in the west coast of Ireland for a couple of months just decided I'm out of here he moved over to Spain once before and he's like right I'm out of here so all these things and all this knowledge that he's learned mm. comes out on this TV show and I love the fact that it's just you never know who's going to come out like you never know who he's going to talk to and you know what it is as well I think and one of our great friends of our show um, Amon Sunday, was on the Christmas show and I've interviewed Amon a half a dozen times maybe more and we have a good rapport. What you notice is 
he'll get something out of an interviewee that you didn't think was in there, no matter how many times you've interviewed them. That's his gift. It's incredible. It really is. And he's from Navin, where I'm from, so it's a good mm. stock. Yeah. <laughs> we have our health. We have our health. Yeah. There's more There's more on it. Now, look, from, from something sublime to something ridiculous, Dancing with the Stars, help me here. Do you know what? It's on for two hours. Two hours this Sunday night, and it will probably be on two hours for the next couple of weeks until they knock people out. Uh, Neil Delamere, funny man Neil Delamere. Yeah. Everyone loves him. Billy from Avalon. Now, I nearly fell off my seat when I saw Billy. <laughs> like, we know Billy coming into us all the time. And it's, you would, I would never, if you gave me a hundred grand, I would never, I'll call Billy from Avalon signing up. He's a funny guy. And I hope that goes, that comes out with, with his dancing. Yeah. Uh, Para Olympian, gold Olympian, Ellen Keane. She is, got, like, I, I follow her on Instagram and I really think she's going to do really well. The Grania Show, there's such a different amount of people. Do you know yeah. what? If it's you an like interesting strictly, lineup this year, all right. Do you wonder how many of them will actually. Will, I mean, like, will, are we going to have a Desi Cahill in this one? Where we knew Desi, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Grania Show, you get like, to me, like, I, you know, because she's so straight laced. I wonder, you know, uh, what, what are we going to see? Angus Magrina. Remember him in RTE? I do. Uh, no, no, no. The, the, the crease himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh god like, like, do you know what I'm going to watch the first the first episode but I don't think I have two hours of my life every Sunday to watch no, it no you see the thing about me and dancing right is you know the way like say something like a Paso Doble right yeah. now all I know about a Paso Doble is I got an awful hangover from a night on them in Santa Panza so, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the level of my dancing knowledge but yeah I, I like I, to watch <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I'll tune in to see if Angus is as crease actually moves. <laughs> yeah, so like I think, and that's what that's what us Irish love. We love passing comments. Like first dates was on last night, and I sat beside my friend. and I was like, Jesus, aren't we lucky we're not on Gogglebox? Did you see the we two from com- Cork? Did you? Were they brilliant? Weren't they? they need. To, I would love to go on another date with them just to see what they're like. <laughs> the stars um, of the show, the skyscraper movie. This movie, if you are looking for a movie that is going to have you nearly on top of the TV with how exciting, how crazy, and how mental it is. Think really? of Die Hard multiplied by 20. Really? Uh, do, oh, uh, do you know, I watched it with my mum two years ago. There was nothing else on. I was like, oh, let's stick this on, see what it's like. And halfway through it, I was I looked at my mum and I was like, you okay? And she was like, this movie is brilliant. It's basically, Dwayne Johnson is... Um, He's a guy who t- takes hostages out of areas. Yeah. They don't really go into it that much, but they say, you know, he's an army background. He retires and he decides that he is going to go to Tokyo. Uh, there's a massive skyscraper and they want him to be head of security. Oh, I think but, I saw this in the cinema. Isn't it nuts? Like, it's, it's, it's pure drizzle. Absolute it's rubbish, but you can't stop watching it. <laughs> I know the one. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> rubbish, but you can't stop watching it. It's great. Yeah. It's, and I saw, I was like, because I said to one of my friends earlier on, I was like, you have to watch Skyscraper. I was like, if you read about it, you're going to go, oh, it's another Dwayne Johnson movie. You're grand. I'm okay. I'm like, no, no, no. watch it. It's so tense. Yeah. Your, your brain has to be left outside. So I, I, I can't it. not love him, though, because there's always a laugh in, in the thing. Listen, I'm going to leave it with you, Crossy. Can I recommend one for you? If, you're into, if you're into your mystery stuff, uh, go to Netflix and check out Stay Close. Oh, I've heard about, I heard this is crazy. It's mad. It's daft. But James Nesbitt is just brilliant. He's just fantastic. James James Nesbitt is in it. Uh, And Eddie Izzard 
is in it. Oh, unreal. What and a you'll ne- it, It's on Netflix. And you'll never believe how good an actor Eddie Izzard actually is. Brilliant. No, I will. I'll actually watch that this weekend because I think it's going to be cold and raining all weekend. All right. Look after yourself, mate. That's uh, Thomas Cross Crossy from FM 104 with some stuff on the telly over the weekend. Now, I'm biased with Stay Close because I'm a huge fan of Harlan Coben, but it's wonderful. It really is. And it's got so it's got more layers than a big lasagna. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. If you want to look at the telly this weekend, look at the telly. But if you want to look at the sky... There might be some interesting stuff to see. Although we may... Have we missed... Now, the skies are dull as anything, like, but now... But have we missed Jupiter at this stage? He's got a uh, line three, I'm going to... Sorry about that. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland. Have we missed Jupiter? Good morning. No, we haven't. It's still there. If you were watching the moon over the last couple of nights, though, you will have noticed that there was a very bright star just above it. Mm. I saw it myself on Wednesday night. And then just to the right of the moon, on Thursday night, so tonight, Friday, the planet Jupiter is going to be well to the right of the moon. Probably if you hold out your fingers stretched out at arm's length, it'll be at least one hand span to the right of the moon. And you can't miss Jupiter because it is by far the brightest star, in quotes, in the night sky. So it's really easy to see with the moon signposting it. Really all over the weekend, look well to the right of the moon. Mm. And is it is it a, a white light or is it a coloured light or what? You, you say you can't miss it, like. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's the brightest star in the sky, so you can't miss it for that reason. Even if the moon wasn't there, you went out, looked around, you'd see it. Now you, you need to view soon after sunset because it's going to be gone down too low by about eight o'clock. So you know, it gets dark around five, five to six, be a brilliant time to see it. And it is whitish looking star. I keep saying star in quotes because of course it's a planet, not a real star, but it looks like. A star. In fact, the word planet means a wandering star because over the course of months, the planets move relative yes. to the starry background. Yes, yeah, they do. And and of course, at this time of the year, you mentioned the fact that it, 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 the Earth's rotation gives us a limited window to see these wonderful things. Yeah, I mean, if you sort of step back and look at the solar system, the sun at the centre, the Earth going around every year, Jupiter goes around every 12 years, so it's five times further out than we are. And so, as the Earth, really, we're the one that's moving most, we'll eventually go to the far side of the Sun, which is sort of what's happening at the moment over the next few months. And then we'll line up the Sun with Jupiter. Of course, whenever I try and look at Jupiter, the Sun's in the way. It'll be daylight. We won't be able to see it. But we're in this sweet spot at the moment where it is still visible after the sun sets, blazing away in the south, uh, unmistakable. If you've got even a pair of binoculars and you hold them really steady, you'll see tiny little stars either side of Jupiter. There it's moons. You can actually see them with even cheap binoculars. Yeah. And a small telescope makes it dead easy. That's, fant- that's fantastic. Now, there's, next week then we've got the space station. Now, that is moving, of course, all the time. But you're saying that next week you'll get a particularly good glimpse of it on a clear night because of the conditions again. Yeah. Now, technically it's January the 18th, which I think is Tuesday week, so you have a good few days yet, but something to put in the calendar. It'll be visible for over two weeks, and the first few passes are low down, but then it passes very high. In fact, it can pass directly over Cork. I've seen it from Cork City Centre 
almost directly overhead. And it even dwarfs Jupiter. Jupiter is already brighter than any, any star in the sky. The International Space Station could be 10 times brighter than that. So it really is impressive. And it looks and, like, a, like a moving star. Is that what it is? Exactly. Jupiter will stay more or less where it is. It crosses the sky the same speed the moon and the sun do because the Earth's rotating. But the space station is going around the Earth much faster. And it'll take out just a couple of minutes to cross the sky. Right. Oh, sorry, will, David, will it move? Well, I mean, if we pick it up yeah. and realise there's... Oh, it'll, you'll actually see it moving now. You'll actually see it moving. So the, if you look at high-flying jet aircraft during the day, that kind of speed... Oh, really? Yeah, if you see anything zip across the sky in a second or less, that's a shooting star. So the space stations between sort of stars that take hours to cross the sky and shooting stars that take fractions of seconds. It takes minutes. And the great thing about it is it's got astronauts on board. I think there's currently six of them up there. Yeah. There's also a Chinese space station with three people on board. Space is getting more and more populated as, as we go on. But this one is the most expensive object ever built, 100 billion euros put it up there and the astronauts are doing all kinds of experiments and tests yeah, give them a wave I suppose you've your lecture coming up tell me about that and how people can get involved yeah we have this fantastic public lecture on Monday night January 10th 7 o'clock online so everyone in the world can see it not just Cork and the rest of the 32 counties but it's going to be given by Dr. Patrick Kavanagh who works on the team in Ireland that helped to build the James Webb Space Telescope now, you may have heard about this being launched on Christmas Day. Yeah. It's the successor to the Hubble Space Telescope that's been up there for decades and has changed our understanding of the universe. And this is the new one. The five times more expensive than Hubble has to go much further out. And it can actually effectively look back in time. So all these crazy things about it, why did we spend $10 billion on one telescope? Patrick Gavner will explain. How does it look back in time? Yeah, it can look back in time because... Um, you, you don't realize it, but everything you see is actually in the past. Uh, now, in things on the Earth, it's billionths of a second we don't notice. But when you look at the moon, you're seeing it as it was a second and a half ago. When you look at Jupiter, I think it's nearly an hour ago. The, moon, the sun is eight minutes ago. And when you look very deep out into space at things like galaxies, you're looking millions of years back in time. Okay. And the James Webb Space Telescope can look back to the almost the Big Bang when the first star started oh, wow. to shine in the universe. Where, and that's what it was designed to do. Where can we sign up for the lecture? Astronomy.ie. So if you want to get tickets for the talk, or you want to join the evening classes that are beginning in February, or you want to get Astronomy on a magazine aimed at families and kids every month, astronomy.ie is the only thing you need to mention. Have a look at the website now. There's free social media as well you can okay. follow, where you'll get space station predictions free of charge every day. All right. And lots of other things as well. David, will catch up again, I've no doubt, during 2022. Thank you. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland. Lots to look at over the next week and a bit. That's it. The programme today, edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Katie O'Keefe. And we'll see you Monday, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie.